The holy evangelists in their Gospels tell us of the suffering and death of Jesus, his betrayal and scourging, his agony and pain, his death by crucifixion, and the failure of the sun's light. Yet today we hear these things not only from the evangelist St. Matthew, but also from another evangelist, this one a prophet who lived 500 years before Christ. As we stood at the entrance to the nave, palm branches in hand, we heard the account of Christ's passion from the prophet Zechariah. The details he includes are stunning. But if you were to read through the entire book of his prophecy, you might miss them. His book is full of visions of judgment, judgment against Israel and of the end of the world. But here and there throughout this prophecy, we hear details about the day of our salvation. The fathers of the church have drawn these details from different parts of Zechariah's prophecy and assembled them together. Although the reading of this account may be relatively new for us, we've used it for a couple years now, it's far from new to the Holy Christian Church. Today, then, we give thanks to God for our fathers in the faith who have passed down this treasure to us. And thus, we consider and meditate on these words. Ever since Adam ate the fruit in the Garden of Eden, sinful man finds the presence of the Lord to be a consuming fire. But now is the Lord's promise. Now the Lord will come with mercy. He will come to restore what was lost. He will come with salvation. Though you do not deserve his coming, he will come and he will dwell in your midst. Not only for his chosen people, but he will come to bring those of many nations and join them to himself. He comes with rescue speedy for all those who suffer wrong. He comes to bring you into the city of truth, into heaven itself, where you'll find boys and girls freely playing in its streets. He comes, he comes with righteousness, and to set all things right. He comes with recompense against the wicked, and to all those who have harmed their neighbor. He comes to those who do not deserve his grace. To those who have taken offense at him and scorned his word, he comes to rescue, he comes to destroy the wicked. And now the king comes. A king's coming is majestic and mighty. A king's coming is to be feared. For when the king comes, he comes to exercise his authority. He comes to show the newly conquered city that there is a new order in town. And he will make an example of anyone who stands in his way. He comes, leading a frightful army. He comes to bring retribution on those who would dare disobey. Oh, you inhabitants of the city, cry aloud and weep. Woe to you, for the day of the king's wrath has come upon you. Protect your children and your little ones, lest they be trampled. Cower in fear before the awful king. 
What is that sound that I hear? Is it children? And they are singing? And they are laughing? They sing the song of Hosanna, of save us now. The children greet their king with cries of joy. His mighty steed is a lowly one, a donkey, the pack animal of peace. The king opens his mouth and he speaks peace. Yes, he shall speak peace to the nations. But is this true peace? Is it meet and salutary that a righteous king should speak peace to a rebellious people? How can a God of justice dismiss the price for sin? Yes, God is love, but God is also just. And sin demands its wages. It demands death. The Lord cannot wink at sin. He cannot dismiss it as though though it's no big deal. And the evidence against you is clear. You deserve temporal and eternal punishment. The wages you have earned for your sin is death, and your bill has come due. Now thus far in our Zechariah reading, the Father has spoken to us of his Son, but now the Son speaks. And so listen to what your Lord Jesus says to you. If it is agreeable to you, give me my wages. And if not, refrain. He says that he wants the wages that you have earned for your own sin. Jesus wants to pay what you owe. He wants to take away the cup of the Father's wrath from your lips and drink it himself. And it's so much so that he will take on your debt and he will make it his very own. And so we counted out the price, 30 pieces of silver to betray him. Our Lord here calls it a princely price, but this is really the value of a common slave in those days. How easily we betray our Lord. How cheaply we sell ourselves into sin and hand ourselves over to it. How readily we give up God's order and goodness for a brief moment of pleasure. How rapidly we abandon contentment, seeking instead to covet and to scheme. How easily we set our jaw in anger or utter words full of contempt. Thus, therefore, the Lord is handed over. He is betrayed and pierced by sinners. Therefore, behold him hanging there. Behold the innocent one, gasping for breath and dying. His blood flows down. Do not hide your face from this scene. Do not turn away. In fact, if you listen, can you hear your own mocking voice call out among those scoffers? For the evil that you have walked toward has pierced his feet. The anger you have borne in clenched fist and deeds of darkness, these have pierced his hands. The evil thoughts you have entertained, these have gone into his brow. And all the sin you have carried about in your flesh, 
the words you have said, the guilt you have borne, and all the sin committed against you, these have scourged his back and pierced his heart. Therefore, as you behold this scene, you grieve for him. You mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, as one grieves for a firstborn. Do you see that it was your sin that put him there? And yet, yet we dare ask him, Who is it, Lord, who bruised you? Who has so sore abused you? Who, called, who caused you all this undue woe and agony? Who has dared to treat you in this way? Who is it that crucified the Lord of glory? What are those wounds between your arms? And then he will answer with these words. These wounds, these are those which I received in the house of my friends. <clears throat> friends. Dear saints, he calls you his friends. This is his love for you. That even as he is being crucified, he calls them his friends. For behind the reality of what your sin cost him, there is something greater. For in the final part of this reading, the Father now speaks against his only begotten Son. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion. Come, death, arise and slay my beloved Son. Execute the judgment against him. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. The Lord God is pleased to bruise his son, for this is the offering on behalf of man's guilt. It is the Father who has laid his beloved son upon the cross. And so, content and uncomplaining, the Lamb goes forth. Yes, Father, yes, I'm eager and willing. All this I gladly suffer. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is finished. It is as if Christ himself says to you, Do not despair, dear child. I have come to make you whole. There is no need for your despair. I have chosen to bear this curse, that you would lose sin's curse and, it, and your guilt forever. And thus are you saved from death and hell, cleansed from all your impurity, redeemed from all your sin. O Lord, that thou wast so meek and stainless doth atone for my proud mood, and thy death makes dying painless. All thine ills have wrought our good. Yes, thy deep humiliation tendeth to mine exaltation. Thousand, thousand thanks shall be, dearest Jesus, unto thee. No wonder at this majestic mystery that the earth grows dim and the sun dare not show its face. But then, all around us we see the darkness. We see coming the night of anguish, the night of fear and despair, the night of affliction and temptation the night when death draws near. It is the end of the day, the end of your life. 
the end of the world. The darkness closes in. And yet, though it is eventide, the sun of righteousness shines. Though the light of the world was extinguished in death, he will not remain in darkness forever. At the time when you expect to be plunged into the eternal night of sin, yet there is light. For Zechariah speaks also of our Lord's resurrection. And we see thereby that his payment for sin is sufficient. Therefore, the day that we slayed the Lord of glory is now hereafter and forever called good. And as it is on every Sunday, this risen king now comes to you. He sets himself before you with the word of peace. He raises his hand to bless, his hands bearing the marks of the nails. Behold these wounds, he says. I received them in the house of my friends, and now I give them over to you. Thus the Lord brings his heavenly Jerusalem to this place, and from this holy city flow living waters. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. For behold, your king comes to you even now. We pray. Grant, O my Lord and God, that I, this sinful world, forsake and follow thine example, which thou dost bid me take. And let me do to others as thou hast done to me. Love all men as my brothers and serve them willingly, with ready hearts, nor seek my own, but as thou, Lord, hast helped us from purest love alone. And let thy cross upbear me with strength when I depart. Tell me that naught can tear me from my Redeemer's heart. In thy holy name, O Jesus. Amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.